there. You're welcome again to Colavari Creativity Series. This is a podcast that is focused on exploring the world of creativity and innovation. I'm Zika and I facilitate this podcast. So this is a special bonus episode. I think sometime early this year or late last year, we recorded an episode that we actually never released. But um, recently, we've been putting out some excerpts of the episode on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And I mean, surprisingly, we've got a lot of feedbacks. And so this bonus episode is going to be a compilation of those excerpts. So for people who have listened to the excerpts on Instagram or LinkedIn, you can actually listen to this, the compilation of all these excerpts here. So um, the first thing we talked about is why it is hard for businesses to embrace creativity and innovation. A very good question and there are, there are several theories as to why people find it hard to embrace uh, creativity, you know. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm going to give three three reasons why. I'm not saying this is exhaustive, but these are just my, my thoughts uh, regarding this. One is that creativity Creativity on, on its own, creativity is an intangible characteristic. So when you say creativity, what does creativity mean? People have different definitions of creativity. What, is creativity coming up with new ideas? So it's it's intangible. It's, it's difficult to figure out. So people do not know whether they're actually improving on it or whether they're not improving on it. So it's so I think that that intangibility around creativity makes it hard for people to, to, to actually improve on creativity itself. That's one. Secondly... The, there's a misconception about the, the problem or the challenge around creativity and, and innovation. The assumption is that creativity is about ideation, about coming up with ideas. And I, and I think that has made companies not know what to focus on. But the real problem, the real issue with creativity and innovation is that it's a resource allocation issue. Okay. It's about resources. It's about deploying resources. And, and this is more pronounced in a company setting where the major focus is on maximizing short-term profitability, as is the case with most listed companies, the business world is driven by short-termism. To be truly innovative, companies must reallocate resources to new ventures that in the short term might not generate any profit. And therein lies the problem. Companies tend to keep putting resources into what has already worked before. Meanwhile, for you to be creative, you have to put your resources into new, something new yes. that might not have worked before. And, 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 and that, I think, is the challenge. And thirdly, is the fact that the challenges and gaps that company, companies are seeing do not show up as creativity or innovation challenges. They are mostly showing up as complexity due to what I will call the VUCA effect. Another thing we touched on is one life. That is, companies should encourage employees to thrive across all areas of life. Companies should encourage employees to explore and advance across all areas of their lives. So, family, hobbies, everything. It's important. If an employee is thriving in one area of their life, it affects that employee in the workplace. This, this is what Reid Hoffman said, and I, and I really like it. He said, when employees push their personal boundaries, they will push the boundaries of the companies too. 
So, and this is the reason why Google allows employees to spend 20% of their time in pursuing personal projects. It's the same reason why 3M allows employees to spend a portion of their time in pursuing personal projects. And for both 3M and Google, they found out that some of the personal projects that the employees have pursued actually help the companies to do very well. Um, for some of the initiatives that had uh, been pursued by employees, personal initiative, they've turned out to be initiatives that the company eventually implemented and made money for the company. So when employees are thriving in their personal lives, at the end of the day, the companies benefit as well. Again, I'm going to use an example from the sports world to emphasize this particular part. There was a footballer called Adriano, a Brazilian. I mean, I I doubt you know him. Uh, But if I say Messi, Ronaldo, of course, you know know that guy, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, But but the truth is that Adriano had the potential to be as good or even better than Messi or Ronaldo. At the age of 22, he lost his father. Yeah, and his father was his, like, you know, was the reason for everything for him. And he couldn't handle it. He started drinking. There are times he would get to um, the training and he would be drunk. I mean, he got so bad that he had to go back to Brazil. Now, the truth is that he had all the talent. He had everything. But psychologically, when his father died, he just lost everything. And I was thinking, and if his club, Inter Milan, had could have helped him resolve that issue. They would have benefited from just the way uh, clubs like um, Barcelona and Real Madrid benefited from Messi and Ronaldo. Ronaldo, They could have benefited from from Adriano staying mentally healthy. But, you know, he lost it. So, you can't say, well, that's his personal problem. It's not his personal problem. It would affect his productivity. Exactly. Yes. You understand? And, and it's, it's the same thing. If an employee is going through, you know, what you say, oh, it's personal, personal problem. It's not mm-hmm. personal problem. It's going to affect you. He's not a robot. Mm-hmm. You understand? He's a human being. He has fears. He has cares. If his fears are preventing him from focusing well, it's going to affect his work. I mean, it's the same mind you used to think of those problems you you need to produce at work. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why companies should be concerned about what their employees do outside work. They should, they should want to see their employees thrive across all areas, whether it's work-related or not. It's for their benefit. If their employees are advancing in any area, the company, company would, would advance, also advance. Yeah. If they're happy at home with their wife and children, it would show at work. You know, if they have a hobby that they've picked up, that they're doing well, it would show. It would, And that's why some companies... They even help for for employees that have pet projects that they want to pursue. They would encourage them. You want to take up scuba diving? They would encourage you because they know that if you are thriving in that aspect of your life, it would impact at work. So there's no there's no separation, dem- of, separation life. of life. No, exactly. We're no. human beings. Exactly, it's yeah. one life. One life. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. This next excerpt talks about the flawed concept of the ideal employee. You need skill to do work. There are multiples and several skills that you can use to do work. It doesn't have to be a specific skill set. So when you say this is the skill required for this particular role, you might be 
removing some people who can do that work from your circle of employees and and and, and it's a big challenge so rather than companies focusing on interviewing for skills companies should interview focusing on whether the person can do the work not whether they have the skill or not and i'll give a very good example of this you know the founders of whatsapp interviewed for facebook and they did not make it these same guys went to found uh whatsapp and facebook bought whatsapp for 19 billion these are the same people who could not enter facebook who could not get into Mm. facebook but had the ingenuity and the brains to come up with face uh, with WhatsApp. whatsapp and facebook bought whatsapp i mean so it tells you that there is a problem there's a, there's a problem with the way we interview uh, and we mostly companies mostly interview trying to ensure that the people who they accept fit into a specific skill set and that is not always right because you might be missing out on people who might not have those skill set but can do that same work very well i'm going to use another example but this time again i will use football because this is also very important because for me football you seem to like football well (laughs) i think i have better understanding of certain things when i first understand them in football then i Mm. cannot explain them in Mm. in in the uh, human resources uh, world so there's a striker called filippo inzaghi okay i'll just tell you some of the things that he achieved he won two champions cup Three Serie A titles, won the World Cup. He's the seventh highest scorer in in Italy. He's currently the sixth highest goal scorer in the European club competition. He's AC Milan top international goal scorer of all time. He holds the most hat trick in Serie A. But this is a guy. If you look at him from a skill set of what it takes to be a striker. I would rate Inzaghi mediocre or at best average on most of the skills. He can't he can't dribble. He can't his his his, his ball control is poor. He can hardly head the ball. He just doesn't have the skill for most that for you will say ideal, for the ideal footballer. Yeah. He just doesn't have those skills. And when you look at all what he has achieved, you wonder how was he able to do that? Now, Inzaghi was a smart guy. He knew he couldn't do all that, but he was good at one thing, positioning. In fact, there was a joke that was said about him. They said Inzaghi was born in the offside position. <laughs> that was the joke about him. Now, Inzaghi knew he didn't have all those skills, but he was very good at positioning. And how was he good at that? Inzaghi would spend time watching video tapes of opposing teams and observe the gaps and the weaknesses of the team. And during matches, that's what he would always exploit. He knows where to stay, how to approach um, uh, the defense. And that's basically what he did. And that's how he scored most of his goals. He didn't have the skills for the last needed. He couldn't trap, he couldn't dribble, he couldn't chest, he couldn't hit. But he just knew how to position himself. And because he knew that, that's how he scored most of his goals. So, if... Inzaghi today was a footballer that came to be interviewed by in a company setting. He'd probably not be picked. He will he will come last mm. in the interview because yeah. dribbling skills zero, mm. uh, ball control zero. Mm. You understand? But what he showed that 
you could be a successful footballer even if you do not have all those attributes of a typical successful footballer so again i think for me this whole belief that there is an ideal worker or an ideal employee with a set uh, a specific set of skills i think is just flawed and it prevents companies from tapping into a pool of talented employees that are out there waiting to help the companies. Another interesting thing that was mentioned is how it takes more than money to get the best of your employees. So employees will ask themselves, why do I have to put in a lot of work when... Mm, there's no point. There's no point. Yeah. You understand? So... These are companies who have realized that you have to treat your workers as humans. When you do that, at the end of the day, it will impact on the performance of companies. And, and I'm going to round up this um, um, point on, on this. People keep saying, when you talk about, oh, treat employees as humans, they will say, well, the workplace is not a family. I agree. They will say it's more like a, like a team environment, a sport environment. I totally agree. But even in a team environment, you also have to treat people well. And, and I'll give this example. I'm sure you have heard of Diego Maradona. Yes. Of course, one of the greatest uh, uh, footballers. footballers. Yeah, Yeah, I think he died, uh, recently died. Um, you know, but, you know, Diego Maradona moved from Barcelona to Napoli in the 80s. Again, this is my belief. I mean, I did some research on this. The reason why Maradona did extremely well in Napoli wasn't just that he was a great footballer. was that Napoli as a football club provided a psychological need that fitted well into who Diego Maradona was. Now, Napoli was based in the southern part of Italy and no football club in the southern part of Italy had won the Serie A for several years. So when Maradona joined Napoli, he he joined them with that psychological need to like deliver them. He was like a you know a messiah-like figure, and he fitted into who Maradona was. You understand that yeah. he was coming to deliver a club that has not won anything for years, and that kind of like made him feel special, made him feel cherished, and personally, I believe that's the one of the reasons why Maradona did very well in Napoli. If Maradona had gone to another club, yes, it would have been great, but they would not have provided that psychological need of Maradona feeling like a messiah or like somebody who had come to deliver them. So, even in a team sport, you also need to be able to satisfy other needs outside of just, you know, the need of the player, whether you are paying salary or whether you are taking care of him. You also have to satisfy other needs as well. That's what I think. We also mentioned being careful of entrenched management and people practices that are inherited from the industrial age. Now, for us to answer that question, we have to go back to the origin of the workplace itself. Now, why is this important? If you do not have clarity of your origins, you might be protecting what is harmful to you or you might be rejecting what is beneficial to you. Now, the, 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 the modern workplace was birthed in the industrial age. Listen very carefully. The, the workplace in the industrial age was conceived for mass mobilization of people to do manual work. 
Remember, systems and organizations always do well for what they are designed for. The workplace conceived in the industrial age totally suited what it was designed for. Now, several things have changed since the industrial era, but I'll focus on just two, two of those. One, the nature of work has moved from manual to mental. Yeah. That's one. Two, the nature of the business environment has also moved. It has moved from stable, predictable, and protectionist in nature to one that is, that is disruptive in nature with rapid advancements and the consequences of globalization which, which impact political, social, and economic changes. So we are dealing with a totally different environment from what happened, from what pertained in the industrial age. However, we have remained with the structures Same and the principles structure, of the yeah. workplace that was designed in the industrial age. Now, despite these changes, the workplace has remained fundamentally the same. Professor Julian Berkinshaw of London Business School said this. He says that we are prisoners of a traditional way of working that was inherited from the industrial age. This is my view. A lot of the management and people practices still in operations today that were conceived in industrial age are actually inhibiting us from being productive. Mm. That's that's what I think about it. Now, to answer your question, the workplace and its practices of the industrial age was not designed for employees to think. Mm. Neither was it designed for employees to develop new ideas. It was designed for manual work with little or no creativity required. Creativity and its act was seen as a distraction. This is a very big issue you've yeah. raised because it's what is affecting a lot of businesses and companies now. So how do you think companies should navigate these issues? I mean, there are tips that I can share and uh, from research that I have that I have looked at and my own observation. But for me, that's really not what I think the premise of this should be. What I would like is that businesses should begin to question long-held beliefs and practices about the workplace and how they treat their employees. It might shock you that several entrenched management practices are actually the reasons why companies are failing. And finally, we talked about, you know, how we can design a workplace that allows employees to actually thrive. In the workplace of the industrial age or industrial era, Employees were only required for their manual effort. So the practices were designed to encourage manual effort. It was not designed to, for anything other than that. They didn't need the mind, mind of the employees. Yeah. They were not needed to take initiatives. See, that was fine for the sort of work that they did in that era. It was yes. fine. Now, but we are in a different era where most of the work we do is mental and not manual. So, to design... A work environment that employees will thrive in today demands that the employees bring their whole selves to work. Why? This is my belief. I believe that as, as humans, we are tripartite beings, meaning we are yeah. spirit, soul, soul body. and body. And we thrive best in an environment that takes that into consideration. So we hope you enjoyed this bonus episode and you're able to learn something from it. This is the end of 
this episode and um, this podcast is produced and edited by Joshua Praise. And the soundtrack is an original music of Justa Christos. Our poster design is done by Faith Folari and Joseph Okafor. As always, have a very creative week.